Amen. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. I haven't preached on this brief passage in 17 years. Kind of a meditational message tonight. Trust you'll get some truths that will be a help to you spiritually, helping your walk with God and your effectiveness for the Lord. Notice in John chapter 7, beginning in verse 37, the scripture says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet crucified or glorified. I want to preach on lessons from a river. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I beg you again tonight for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Please guide us as we look into your word, as we find, I trust, some lessons that we can get from this illustration that Jesus gave about a river. Have your way in our hearts, and Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Jesus said a lot of amazing things as he was teaching. A lot of amazing things in the book of John. Some statements made about himself, like I am the door, I am the resurrection and the light. I am the good shepherd. I am the, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. He said a number of things to give us a better idea of the character of the Messiah, the character of the Savior. He makes a lot of different statements about believers. We read one of those this morning in John chapter 8. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. We get to this particular passage, and the Lord Jesus has some interesting statements that he makes here. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, if he just stopped right there, we'd be wondering, what on earth is he talking about here? But he goes on to let us know, as he says in verse 39, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Now, obviously, we know from the scripture that everyone, the moment they are born again, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live within them. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. This is very important that we understand this connection that we have with the Spirit of God when we get saved. And he describes it in the way of having uh, rivers of living water, speaking of the Spirit of God. Uh, you know, there have been some rivers that have impressed me in my lifetime. I know, I remember the first time I went across the Ohio River, on a bridge, of course, um, went across the Ohio River, and it was during flood stage around Evanson, Evan, Evansville, Indiana. That's where it was at. And it impressed me. My aunt and uncle were taking uh, me and uh, their youngest son, Ed, my cousin, down to Florida for a couple of weeks. I think I was in about 8th or ninth grade, and I don't remember seeing a river quite that big before at that young age, and that impressed me. Uh, obviously, the Mississippi. 
uh, has a number of different things you can say about it. And, and of course, here, we live very close to the Tennessee River. Now, I was always impressed with the Tennessee River when we lived over around Chattanooga. Uh, but as you think about, what is it some of the things that the Lord Jesus is trying to teach us? Why did the Holy Spirit choose to refer to the Spirit-filled life as a river? Well, I believe that there are some meditational truths that we can get out of this that can help us spiritually. Uh, here's the first one. A river lives a receiving life. If you were to go out here and stand on the banks of the Tennessee River uh, and just watch what's going on, the river gets its water from upstream. It lives a receiving life. And this is very important. When you think of the idea, it receives uh, life from above. Well, who are we talking about? We're talking about the Spirit of God inside of a believer. One of the key parts of your life after you get saved is your communion with God. And you commune with God, of course, through the Word of God. Now, the Bible tells us of the Word of God that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This book was given by the Spirit of God for us. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. He had a part in that. What does he give the word for? For us, so that we may know God's will and that we may believe right. We may know God's truth so that it can reprove us and correct us that the man of God be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You need the word of God. You need the word of God. You need the truths of the word of God in your life. I've been saved now. I got saved in 50 or in 71. So I've been saved now for 53 years. And look back over that time. Ever since I got saved, the word of God has been very, very precious in my life. I try to make sure that I read from the word of God every day. Now, I have, uh, I have a routine that I use. I've changed up my routine from time to time just to make things a little bit different. But nevertheless, still, in all of my routines, it's had to do something with getting the Word of God and seeing things. Matter of fact, I keep, I keep a notepad next to me while I'm reading. And if something just stands out to me in the Scripture, I write it down. I remember when Pastor Davis, who was assistant pastor here uh, when I came, uh, he would come into my office every once in a while. Now, he had been a senior pastor for a number of years. He's the one who came in when Brother Tony invited him to start their, the Bible Institute that we have here at Madison Baptist Church. Here he was in his upper 70s, and uh, he would come into my office from time to time. And let me show you what I just read today in the Scripture. Well, there wasn't anything that he read that day that he hadn't already read many times before. But that word just has a way of continuing to feed us over and over again. I don't need a commentary. I don't need a side book. It's like Larry Harrison used to say when he'd come by that if we read more of the book, we wouldn't need so many books about the book. And make sure you're reading the book. Now, it's all right to read books about the book, but make sure that they go along with the book or throw that other book away. Because God's word is truth. Jesus said, thy word is truth. You need it as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You need to continually receive from God. 
I remember I had one year where I decided I was going to slow down in my Bible reading and I was going to read through the Bible in a year. And in reading through it in a year, I got Alexander Scorby. As you know, he's really the definitive final thing in, in listening to the Word of God. He knew how to pronounce all of those hard names. And he wasn't like some of the preachers I've heard and just call them Joe, Jack, Jim, and Fred uh, to try to get by with it. I think, man, that's, that's laziness right there. But uh, at least, at least, even if you don't know how to pronounce it, you ought to read it, put the English accent on it. That'll be okay. And make it sound like you know what you're reading. Now, some of those names, like Mayor Halashashbaz, that's a little more difficult. Mephibosheth is easier, but nevertheless, that can still throw some people right there. I personally like Hogla and uh, Milka, two females in the, I thought, who in the world thought up those names? But that was in the Hebrew, you, you understand that. But uh, anyway, I decided I was going to slow down. I was going to read through it in a year. And the thing is, I was going to have Alexander Scorby read it to me, and I was going to follow along in my Bible. Now, that was really good because there's a blessing in the Scripture, not just for hear, or not just for reading the Word of God, but also for hearing the Word of God. So I did that for a year. And then I went back. Before that, I was reading six chapters in the old, five chapters in the new. Right now, I'm reading five chapters in the old and four chapters in the new every day. But I keep that notebook right, right there and make sure I don't stop reading till I at least have something to write down. And sometimes I find out that the thing that I'm writing down today that just stirred me up, and it's like I've never seen it like that before. I just seen it that way the last time I read through it. It's just fresh. It is fresh. Now, I'm one of those people. I was always a slow reader. And so if I read a book, that was it. I wasn't reading it again. I wasn't going to suffer through that book all over. I knew how everything finished. But when it comes to the Bible, this is a different book. This is God's Word. It's all God's Word. And we need to be receiving from above. You notice how some things just stand out, that even though you've read them many times before, they just, they stand out. Why? Because God knows you need that part of it today. Now, you might read three chapters in a day, two chapters, one chapter. You might read a half a chapter a day, but you need the book. And it's absolutely amazing how many times you'll read the Word of God. And it's, it's exactly what you need for that day. And you may not even know it when you read it that morning, but then later in the day something happens and wow, you needed that truth. I don't know how to explain that except God. God does it. It's a wonderful thing. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. We need the book. Joshua 1 8 is one of my favorite verses. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Even Job, when he prayed, talked about God's word. I've esteemed the words of thy mouth more than my necessary food. This is a special book. That is, when you're in that book, you are receiving from above the things that you need for your soul or the things that God may be giving you to refresh somebody else in their daily walk. But that's not all. You need time in prayer. Yes. Yes. Now, I know prayer is asking, 
according to John R. Rice in his book, Prayer is Asking. And there's a lot of truth to that, but there's more to it than that as well. If all you're doing is spending your time just asking God for things, you're shortchanging yourself. Sometimes you just need to shut up and let God talk to you. And when I say God talking to you, it's where he's using his word with his truth. Just because you have a thought while you're sitting there not saying anything, you always control your thought by the word of God. Because I tell you, we've got wicked minds. We've got wicked hearts. Sin itself is deceitful as well. So any thoughts you get, you make sure that you check it out by the word. And let me say, you shouldn't be hearing voices. If you're hearing voices, you've got another problem. All right? But God's voice is given to us through his word. You need to be receiving from him. God pity the Christian that will not read his word. I mean, after all, think about it for a moment. You stop the flow of water from above, and it's not long that river dries up. It gets lower and lower. Its power decreases. Its speed decreases. It becomes more shallow. Listen, he's likening here the spirit-filled life to a river of water. You continually need that flow of his word and his power and his truth. Maybe you're one of those you never seem to be getting any victories in life. Check out what you're getting from above. Make sure that you're getting the word of God. After all, God's word is truth. That good friend of yours doesn't necessarily mean when they tell you what they think you ought to do, you have to check them out with the word of God. And if they're, what they're telling you what they think you ought to do, if it doesn't match the word of God, forget what they're saying. After all, there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end are over the ways of death. You don't want to do what you feel is right. You want to do what God says is right. You need to be in touch with God, receiving from above. I know I need to continually receive from God. I mean, you think about it for a moment. Just look at this crowd right here. How many people are here? Now, I personally believe this. I believe every time that I get up to preach to Madison Baptist Church that God has something in the message for everybody. Now, it's not the same thing for everybody. He'll have something I'll say for one particular person or maybe three or four different people and something else that'll be what they need for that day. I could never figure that out. I don't know what you're going through, what your biggest heartaches and stuff are, your biggest trials uh, that are going on or things that you are needed for his service, but God knows. And so I figure he lays on my heart to give what's needed somewhere throughout the message for everyone. I've got to be faithful to be, I'm careful to be faithful to the word of God and continue to receive from him. You see, walking in the spirit, he says this is connected with the spirit of God. And with that in mind, you've got to be walking, walking in the spirit so you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you're going to give, you must receive from God. That leads me to the second point. You receive from upward like the river does, and you give downward. The river does not receive it to keep it. Then it would become stagnant. Now, some of you have been to the Holy Land, and most of you that have been to the Holy Land have probably made a trip down by the Dead Sea. 
Now, why in the world is it called the Dead Sea? You can't go fishing there. Aren't any fish in it. Fish can't live in the Dead Sea. Because you see, the water comes down from the Sea of Galilee down the Jordan River, and the water pours into the Jordan River. By the way, the Dead Sea is becoming dead itself. There's a lot of it doesn't have any water in it anymore. But you can go swimming in it, and you don't have to worry about drowning unless you just try to swim with your face down into the water. But you're not going to sink. You can't sink. Because, you see, the water comes down from, uh, from the Jordan River down into the Dead Sea, and it's got no place to go. So it just sits there and evaporates, leaving minerals galore. You see people down at the Dead Sea try to get out there and swim. and uh, Man, they don't need a float or anything. They just get down there. But it's got a real, it's like pouring old motor, motor oil on you. And man, it just, see, ew, nasty stuff to get off as well. It's dead because it doesn't give downward. It stops all right there and stays right there. A few years ago, I don't know if Israel is making any progress on this. They were talking about building a canal from the Mediterranean Sea to come across land to go into the sea, of, uh, to the Dead Sea to give it some life because like I said, it's not near the size that it used to be. It's dead. It doesn't give downward. You know, it amazes me. I, I've seen a lot of really discontented Christians. They've got Bible knowledge. They know the books of the Bible. They've even taught some Bible truths from time to time. Uh, they know a lot of Scripture, and they're miserable because they don't give anything out. You know, part of the reason we're to meet together is to exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Even if you're not pastor or uh, teaching a Sunday school class or a junior age class to where you're giving out like that, when you come to church, you ought to be coming ready to prepare blessings that you've gotten from God's word to share with other people. And sometimes you'll be sharing just the answer that somebody else needs and it's good for you to keep it flowing. He's likened us to a river. So many, so many are so unhappy. You see, here's a secret to life. You gain by giving. You gain by giving and you cannot outgive God. Whether it be time whether it be, for instance, take finances. Jesus Christ himself, matter of fact, just turn to it. I'm not going to quote it, turn to it. Uh, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. I just found this to be true. This is amazing. Luke chapter 6, and notice verse 38. Jesus is talking, and he says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. You're not going to outgive God. Just give. I figure God blesses me. And they, I mean, first of all, number one, the tithe comes off the top. That's the way we've lived our life since God dealt with my heart back in 19. 72, and we started tithing. It's amazing the thing God changed. 
And offerings is that which is above a tithe. By the way, faith promise is part of the offerings. But a tithe is a tenth. That's what it means. And we give that tenth. The tithe is the Lord's. I don't feel I'm giving till I give above a tithe. And by the way, that tithe, to me, it comes off the top. God forbid I should have the government be more important than God and give taxes off the top, but not give the tithe off the top. Belongs to the Lord. It's like the psalmist said, I have yet to see the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. Just put God first. And it's exciting to give. Now, I know Madison Baptist Church, you've caught that. You guys give all the time. You take care of missionaries that come by. You take care of evangelists that come by. Uh, you take care of the staff. You, you're wonderful folks. You, you give. Uh, and it's a blessing to give. It's a blessing to be able to be, give. God pity the preacher that has people give for him, and he doesn't give for others. We give. We're likened to a river. We receive from above. We give below. Let me give you a third thing. Obstructions always make it deeper and wider. Tennessee River has some obstructions in different places. You know that big, long Smith Lake? That didn't used to be there years ago. What on earth happened? They put up a dam. And that Smith Lake is a result of a dam. Deeper and wider than what the Tennessee River ever was. Absolutely amazing. You go over here to Joe Wheeler. You got that big Joe Wheeler Lake there that's behind there, deeper and wider. They put up a dam. When you put an obstruction in the way of a river, it gets deeper and it gets wider and provides some things that it couldn't provide before. Spirit-filled Christians, when an obstruction comes, they just get deeper and wider. And by the way, we need those obstructions from time to time. I don't know where we ever got to thinking that somehow the Christian life ought to be a breeze. We shouldn't have any trouble. We shouldn't. Uh, listen, if you don't want to grow, then just say, God, no sense in making me deeper and wider. I'm not going to take it. I don't want to be a blessing to anybody else. I look at people like Dr. Lee Robertson. Dr. Lee Robertson was already leading Highland Park Baptist Church to win souls to the Lord, and they were winning him right and left, and he's building a great church. He, uh, he uh, was preaching over around Florence, Alabama. Uh, he was pastoring in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and he got a call from his wife that his two-year-old daughter, Joy, had died. He went home, of course. When the funeral was over, he drove back and uh, back to Florence and completed his, uh, his uh, revival meeting that he was at. And then he started, out of that came Camp Joy. The theme of Camp Joy was where boys and girls began to live. And at Camp Joy, they would see, they'd have about 3,000 kids there every year and to have see over 300 saved every summer. Out of that burden, out of that great heartache, out of that obstruction in his life, God used it to deepen the well even further. And many people got saved because of it. As a matter of fact, to be honest with you, the missionary stories that we remember the most and that we uplift the most are from people who had a lot of obstructions in their life. God uses that. And when you have one of those in your life, let God use that to expand what you can do for his glory. There was a preacher in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, Jack Hudson. Jack Hudson 
had a crippling arthritis where it got him to the place where he would be bent over like this and had to walk like this. Uh, and I remember, man, he'd come to Tennessee Temple and he'd preach and he would just, uh, didn't have a loud voice and he would just start weeping and God used those messages in such a powerful way to stir up hearts through all the pain that he went through. God multiplied his ministry. I'll tell you another man that God really multiplied his ministry in a great way. And that was John Bishop. John Bishop, some of you remember the first time that he came here. Now, John Bishop had been a successful pastor over in Arkansas. They had seen folks saved, had a good church over there, all of that. And then he got that meningitis that literally, it put him in a coma for a while, wiped his mind clean practically so that his wife had to teach him a lot of basics all over again when he finally came out of the coma. But John Bishop's ministry changed. He became a pastor or a preacher to hurting people. And God used that. He, had, he couldn't speak right. He was very simple. As a matter of fact, he talked like on a third or fourth grade level. But God used those messages in a powerful way to help people that are hurting. God multiplied his ministry. And it didn't just end with the meningitis. He would still, even after years later, had uh, those starburst migraine headaches that were just unbelievable. Not only that, he had a number of other things take place. He went blind. Matter of fact, he had gone blind between the first time and the second time we had him here. And uh, God just used him. Look back on the valleys, and sure, we don't want those valleys. But, you know, I've seen that those, those valleys that I've gone through in my life, and, and I'm not saying that for anybody to feel sorry for me. Everybody's got valleys. That is part of life. It is. Not going to be the same for each one. God knows what I need to be better used for him to be more what I ought to be for his glory, God knows. And he'll bring that upon me. I don't have to say, Lord, I think I'd rather have this, this, and this. We're not going into a buffet thing and picking out what things we feel like we want to have. God gives us what we need to be used for his glory. Why did he liken this spirit-filled life? Why did he liken it to a river? Because you receive from above you give out then to others below and that the river, when the obstructions come, just make them deeper and wider. By the way, here's another thing. Everywhere a river is, there is fruit. I think one of the amazing things is to look at the Nile River going through the desert, uh, the deserts of Egypt. You don't have to get very far away from the Nile and it's just desert. I mean, it's just desert. But along the banks of the Nile, you see trees, you see lush greenery, you see wonderful things. That's the reality of the situation. Everywhere a river is, there is fruit. Jesus likened the spirit-filled Christian life to a river where the Christian's spirit-filled, there is fruit. A little leery of Christians who make fun of service for the Lord or feel like, well, I'm only one person, I can't do much. I like what I heard one person say. I'm only one person. I can't do much, but I am one person and I can do something. And by the grace of God, 
I'll do what I can for his honor and glory. You may not feel like you're much. By the way, when you realize how little you really are, then you're getting in position to really be used of the Lord. Let me show you. Keep your hand here and go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's take a look at what God uses for his honor and glory. Notice he says, and I'm going to begin a little early here on this. I'm going to go back to verse 18. He says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jew and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. For of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness sanctification and redemption that according as it is written he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord God uses the base he uses the weak he uses the foolish to confound those that are mighty and those that think they're wise you see if you realize you're not much you can't do much well you can do something let God use you and you'll be shocked at what God will do By the way, don't ever get to thinking, don't you ever get to thinking that you're being used because you're something special. You know, there's an old song, I'm I'm assuming it goes back into the 50s, where got along without you long before I meant you're going to get along without you now. Well, God, God got along just fine before I ever came on the scene, and when I pass off the scene, he'll still do pretty good. my my departing isn't going to bother God. He's fine, and his work will continue. You can count on it. You find from the beginning to the end of Scripture, truths about Jesus coming and his dying for the sins of the world, and from his own words, he says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He tells, told the disciples in John chapter 20, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. The command is still the same. It's time to get busy. If there's no fruit, maybe somebody's turned off the water. Maybe you're not receiving what you should be receiving from above. It becomes a priority. The truth is, 
You do what's most important in your life. You know, when you find people that just can't seem to make it to church very faithfully, it's because it's not very important to them. When it's important to them, they're there. It has a priority, just the reality. It's like that guy that told a couple of our ladies one time, well, I can't come to church. I have meat in the freezer. And when they were shocked at that answer, they said, what do you mean you got meat in your freezer? How does that keep you from coming? He says, it doesn't, but when you don't want to go, one excuse is as good as another. At least the guy was honest. Through this, people try to make all kinds of excuses to the pastor or maybe some visitors that stop by and knock on their door, try to encourage him to get faithful to the house of God. But the reality is God's not that important to him. Wouldn't it be a shame to have to have some terrible emergency in your life for God to suddenly become important? Why not just make him important to you now? It's time to get busy for him. Jesus likened the spirit-filled person to a river because it receives from above. It gives downward. Obstructions make it deeper and wider. And everywhere a river is, there is fruit. And nothing stops it. Uh, you know, you can throw rocks into a river. It keeps rolling. It doesn't stop when you throw rocks into it. You can throw big rocks in it. Still, just keeps on rolling. A storm can come by, come by and dump a bunch of trees in it. Still, it just keeps on, it keeps on going. You know, if, if you serve God, there's going to be opposition. You can count on that. Jesus warned us about that. He said, remember the word that I've spoken unto you. If they have kept my saying, they'll keep yours. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If you're going to serve God, there's going to be opposition. Now, Jesus was the one and only perfect man to ever walk on this planet. But for everything he did, he had opposition by men. If you're going to serve God, you're going to have opposition from others as well. Good night, Madison Baptist Church. Over the years, we've been attacked from time to time. And we have people that call and complain. And, of course, now that we have the Internet out there, people can get on Facebook. They can say whatever they want to say. Absolutely amazing the things they put out there. I, I don't read Facebook. I don't, have, I don't have a personal Facebook account. I'm not getting in, involved in that mess. We got too much important things to really get done. We're not going to get sidetracked on that stuff. Uh, teenager, you work for God, you're going to have other teenagers make fun of you. You decide you're going to learn how to sing and sing well and because uh, you'd like to do some special from time to time. Listen, that's not being high on yourself. If God's given you a voice where you can sing, then you ought to get it trained so that you can sing well. Make it count for God. There's nothing babyish or girlish about that at all. It's just a matter of somebody wanting to serve God. I, I probably shouldn't brag on Diogo, but I appreciate all Brother Diogo does in service for the Lord and in training others to serve the Lord. How old are you? 16? He's 16. And he's got things going. This guy has got things going all the time, and he's the one that's kept it going. 16. Wow, it is more important than football. Serving the Lord is more important than whether or not you can shoot a basketball. I'll tell you, 
You notice when someone decides that, hey, serving God is more important than all these other things that everybody else is wrapped up in. I saw a news article today about the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, they said that they were the poorest example in the NFL. The poorest example. Because half of them were drunk when they had their parade the other day before that shooting took place. Half of them were drunk. Bunch of them are vulgar. Several of them have a whoremongery type of life. They are terrible. I wouldn't want any of our kids to be like any of them. They may have a lot of money coming in, but I'm going to tell you what. That money, number one, won't keep them out of hell. And the way they're spending it on the things of nothing but the world and debauchery, believe me, believe me, it will not help them at the great white throne judgment. How much better to pick what's really important in life in serving the Lord. Let me give you a final thing here. Either that river stays in its channel and is a blessing or it leaves the channel and cause destruction. Every once in a while, we'll get on YouTube and we'll watch some of those videos of, you know, where the springtime uh, big rains bring water and mud down, you know, uh, and the rivers leave their banks and they cause all kinds of destruction, sometimes even a loss of life. And that's a terrible thing. The river wasn't meant for that, but it gets out of its channel and that's exactly what can take place. As I told you earlier, the first time that I saw the Ohio River, it was out of its channel. Matter of fact, there was a football field on the north side of the Ohio River there in uh, Evansville, Indiana. And uh, uh, there was a football stadium there. It was full of water, just absolutely full of water. Why? Because the river had left its channel. Yeah, you understand that really a river, the, the water doesn't stay the same. It's new water all the time going through there. The river is just the channel that the river runs through. But when it leaves that channel, it becomes very dangerous. Not only saw that, but saw a bunch of mobile homes that had the water uh, getting ready to push them off their foundation. Matter of fact, they weren't tied down well. They all ended up losing their place. One of the biggest excuses for people not getting saved is the poor testimony of Christians. Truth is, we have a way we're supposed to walk. We are supposed to glorify his name. Our walk is to be a holy walk. He saves us by his grace, and it's because of his grace that we can walk like we should. You come across some of these people, and they believe the fact that you're saved by grace, that that allows you to live in debauchery and sin. You need to run from those people as fast as you can. That's just a a wicked, wicked teaching. But the rich life of flowing in his will. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Jesus likened the spirit-filled life to a river because it receives from the top and gives downward. And obstruction always makes it deeper and wider. Everywhere a river is, there is fruit. Nothing stops it. As long as it stays in its channel, it brings great blessings. One of the happiest times of the year for the people of Madison Baptist Church is VBS Missions Conference. 
We are busier that week than any other week. We are probably tireder that week than any other week. We have people that are serving God from early in the morning on through the missions conference at night. Man, there's nothing else going on here but VBS missions conference, taking care of the missionaries in the afternoon. It's a long week, but it's a good week. Why? Because we're doing what Christians are supposed to be doing, living for him. And yes, let's face it, it's not the biggest VBS in the country. It's not the biggest missions conference in the country, but it's one of the biggest things that we're doing all year long, and it's for his glory, and the sacrifice that is made through giving, through serving. We're tired at the end of the week, but it's a good tired. It's a spiritual tired, and we feel good about it because, you see, a spirit-filled life is one of service. Christian, are you receiving from above? Are you getting what you receive and passing it on to others in testimony and service and walk? When the trials come along, do they just make you deeper and wider and you continue to serve the Lord? Uh, every week, just about, I get a call from Lucy Wooten. Got one tonight. And I get one either on a Saturday night or on a Sunday. And as you know, this last time when she fell and she busted her wrist and also had a problem, of course, with her hip uh, that was, uh, I'm, I'm not sure the exact term on what took place there, but uh, of course she's been having to go through physical therapy for the last several weeks. And she is the most upbeat lady. All those trials that she's been through, she doesn't sit there and cry about it on the phone. She believes God's given her a ministry to the other people that are there in that place where she's getting the rehab to be a blessing to them and an encouragement to them. She's very, very positive. She says, I'm not sure everything that God has in mind, but I know he has me here for a purpose and I'm trying to use it for that. And she does. She was praising the Lord for that again today. Yeah, you'll have some setbacks in life, things you didn't plan. But you see, the spirit-filled life is one that keeps on going and serving him regardless and you find that your service just gets sweeter and deeper and wider let me read from that passage again John chapter 7 in the last day that great day of the feast Jesus stood and cried saying if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink he that believeth on me as the scripture said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water but this spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him shall receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Father, speak to our hearts. May we recognize the most important part of our life is living for your dear Son. Heavenly Father, help us to be a fulfillment in our lives what Jesus has let us know should be in the life of every believer who has the Holy Ghost of God within him. Have your way in our hearts tonight, I pray. Challenge us, I pray, in Jesus' name.